At the time of this recording, the world is in the midst of a viral pandemic. Many people are afraid. Many people are in isolation, voluntary or otherwise. Some are sick or will become sick. And indeed, some are dying. In this special series of the Guru Viking podcast, I ask my guests how to work with fear, anxiety and panic. How to work with isolation. How to work with sickness and death and how to help others who are also having those experiences. Neither I nor my guests are medical professionals, and this podcast is not medical advice. Fear, sickness, and death are perennial human experiences, and it's my hope that these episodes will be of use not only to those who are being affected now by this situation, but also of use to others beyond it. So, Nakchan Rinpoche and Kandra Detchen, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Our pleasure. So, first of all, many people are worried, uh, experiencing fear, anxiety, or even panic. What would you say if somebody came to you and said, Nakhtan Rinpoche, Kandra Dechen, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, or even I'm panicking? Um, well, it, it would depend who the person was, what their religion was, whether they had a religion or not. Uh, it's not really a question that we can answer directly in that way. Uh, if the person was a Buddhist, we'd have one answer. If they were Christian or Jewish, we'd have another answer. Uh, I suppose we'd, we'd turn people to what their own religion advised if they weren't Buddhist. Uh, if they were Buddhist, we'd say, uh, what is the difference? between now and last year. You're going to die. We're all going to die at some point. Uh, this is a threat at the moment, but there's a threat every time you cross the road. There's a threat uh, on the motorway. There's threat in aircrafts, planes. There are terrorists. One could die at any moment. And I think one has to be aware of that. And if one's living without awareness of the fact that one could die at any moment, uh, I'm told that many accidents happen in the home. You can fall down the stairs and break your neck. I think maybe the image I'd give them, I'd, I'd um, tell them to watch the Titanic and just notice the band at the end who are, mm. who are playing as the ship goes down. I'd say, play as the ship goes down. <laughs> do something interesting. There's so many other things more interesting to do than panic. You know? Play music, write poetry, paint your last picture. And that would probably be the end of it. So the advice today or this time is no different really from the advice we'd give at any time that you have uh, the fields of the senses. Enjoy them because that is all we have. Uh, they're what we have in the moment of death or the moments before death when we're lying somewhere. Usually in the hospital there's um, uh, there's a plant, usually a cheese plant or a rubber plant or something, and that is there so that you can look at it. And you can enjoy it if you want. You can enjoy it if you can, if you're used to enjoying the sense fields. 
So really, that's what people need to be doing. You know, they need to be in the band as the Titanic is going down. But obviously, um, that's why we would need to know the sort of person we were talking to. Because mm. this is um, a somewhat bleak message, isn't it? Um. <laughs> well, it could be. <laughs> it's, it could, it's a suitable message for Buddhist practitioners. Yes. But if you haven't got any um, system of understanding what's happening at the moment, then that isn't what we would say. No. <laughs> That's why we would need to talk to someone, find out more about them. It's very difficult to give these sort of um, blanket responses. Yeah. So. Pat advice. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't any. So don't come to us as a Buddhist, otherwise you'll get this really nasty answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're anybody else, we'll be really sweet and gentle, but maybe give them some toilet roll. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the whole thing with the fields of the senses is that Buddhist or not, or Christian or, or, or whatever religion, uh, you have those sense fields and you can invest in them. Uh, you know, that would apply to people who have no religion at all. You still have sense fields and you can enjoy what is there and you don't have to invest in anxiety because while one is invested in anxiety, one is not investing in the sense fields. Can you say a little bit more about what you mean when you use the word invest? Give your energy to them. Uh, involve yourself in the senses. We're surrounded by color, sound, fragrances, textures, and they can be explored, they can be enjoyed. Um, the word enjoyment, as I'm using it here, is quite broad, really. It's the kind of enjoyment that an artist would have in noticing something, noticing a texture, noticing the... Um, disparity between things, the what, what comes out of that, the innate creativity of being alive, because everyone is an artist. Uh, what seems to divide people from being artists is that artists try to earn money at it. Some are successful, some are not. And we tend to think that artists are people in some other category, but everyone is an artist and can invest in being an artist in terms of how they see, how they hear. Everyone's capable of um, uh, being an artist to the extent of how they decorate their home, what clothes they put on. These are creative choices. And there's nothing that really uh, divides that art from from great paintings and music, apart from uh, what society thinks of it. We create art when we cook, and one can take great pleasure in that by uh, uh, performing that job perfectly. There's always pleasure to be found in everything. And whilst you're finding pleasure in everything, that pleasure can be extended to other people. Uh, you know, it, it makes you naturally more cheerful to be around. You can bring cheer to people 
your, through your own appreciation and your own innate cheer. Mm -hmm. I've noticed when I was out this morning that um, people are avoiding each other, giving each other a wide berth, and yet everyone is smiling and saying good morning to each other, mm. which they wouldn't normally. You'd be bustling past, perhaps with your head down, with your mind on your plan, and ignoring the people around you. So this time gives us a sort of an opportunity which we wouldn't normally have. I mean, it's giving us a lot of, most people, a lot of time that they wouldn't normally have, but they, and it's been given to them very suddenly. And I would imagine that a lot of people don't know what to do with it. Um, but you've suddenly been given this opportunity on a plate. Um, it's time to, that you have for noticing things and noticing people around you and just noticing what comes into your perceptive field um, because all of a sudden now we've been jerked out of our plans so it's a, it's a great opportunity if you can use it some people are falling sick or are already sick what would you say to somebody who, who came to you said natural rinpoche candidatechen uh, I've been diagnosed with a sickness, or I am in fact sick. Well, I can only relate with my own experience, really. I just uh, endeavour to carry on, really. Um, you don't no idea what's going to happen. Um, so you're in a very empty space. Um, from my own perspective, I would just practice with that emptiness of uncertainty. You might be one of the ones who dies, or you might not be. And we've been presented with so much conflicting information that all we're left with is complete um, uncertainty, emptiness. So uh, from our perspective, one practices with that emptiness. One just uh, doesn't try to fill it with something else. You just allow yourself to experience that emptiness. Can you think of an example of a way in which someone might unnecessarily or unhelpfully fill the emptiness? Hmm. Going shopping and panic buying is a great way to fill the emptiness. <laughs> as soon as you have that uncertainty about, will I be able to buy what I can usually buy? And you see these empty shelves and you think, oh, what am I going to cook? Um, you know, you fill it with anxiety, you fill it with focus on um, I need to get this for me you know and entering into this primitive mind state of um, being part of a, a herd um, I mean herd behavior is those that uh, animals fight for the best grazing and that's what's happening in the supermarket so that's what some people, not all people, but some people are doing to fill this um, huge upset in what their expectation, normal expectation of life is. I've um, had a practice all my life uh, whenever I've been sick, uh, sick enough, you know, um, food poisoning or whatever. Uh, of saying, this is it, I'm dying. 
And um, so, in a sense, I've been used to that. I mean, not with a cold, but I mean, something painful or whatever, and I'm uh, uh, prostrate, then I've always considered that this is it. This is the last illness. This is taking me out. So I think that um, it's really important to make use of whatever time you have. But that's always useful. So I keep coming back in a sense to say this is what we should have been doing years ago. Uh, but one can start now, of course. It's never too mm. late to ignite the sense fields. And it might be even uh, an entire life-changing experience to realize that the sense fields are there. And even though you are sick, you can still enjoy the sense fields. You can enjoy textures, colors, fragrances. You can actually still enjoy humor. You mm. can enjoy humor actually when you're dying. You know, mm. it doesn't prevent humor. That's always there. Yeah. Well, humor often arises out of an empty situation. There's been a great deal of humor around this whole situation online and between people uh you know you can you can feel it's people's way of sharing that yeah. emptiness and that uncertainty just to laugh at it i remember when our son uh, robert was dying of cancer uh, i always used to make a joke with him you know if i bought a new shirt or whatever i'd say uh, this will see me out and then somebody had sent him a set of videos and he showed them to me and he says, these will see me out. He says, I can say that to you now. And I, I thought that was just brilliant, you know, that, that he turned the joke back on me again. You know, mm. he was the one who was dying. Mm. He had a great sense of black humor yeah. around the whole thing. And he was a wonderful example for us of somebody who lived in the moment. Mm. I mean, he became ill and at that point, we all hoped he would get better. Then there came a point where he knew it wouldn't get better, and he just kept on living in exactly the same way as he'd lived the previous 17 years of his life, just living in the moment, getting on with what was important him at that moment, not thinking too much about the future. Looping back to your story about Robert, and you're talking there how he uh, faced the situation in uh, such a inspiring way what was that situation like for the two of you um it was quite ordinary in some ways uh it brought us closer together um we really enjoyed each other's company and so mm. there were positive aspects to it mm. we shared a close time with him that we wouldn't otherwise have had it mm. um In, and in some ways, it was the most awful situation we've ever, we've ever faced. Um, but through it all was the sense that one could still appreciate, even when in the worst moments. Um, and also, the knowledge that you weren't the only ones who'd ever gone through this. And I particularly found that immensely comforting to think, 
lots of other people have lost their children uh, in maybe worse ways than what was happening to us. Mm. Um, so I, I suppose there were things like that that got us, got us through it. I mean, on the final night of his life, we were watching a video together in his room. It was the Sharp series that he enjoyed. And, um, and he hadn't been able to speak for some weeks. We communicated on WhatsApp. We'd type and we'd type answers. And, uh, um, we had a glass of wine with us, and uh, usually we... Um, before we drink wine, we um, say Kelpazan, we, we recite uh, Dudram drinking song, and then say Kelpazan, which means we are happy. And uh, that's what Robert said. Those were his last words, but he just mouthed them. You know, you could see his mouth moving, he said Kelpazan. And those were his last words, we are happy. Some people are facing the prospect of their own death, whether it's related to this pandemic or, or not. Um, people are still dying of all sorts of things. That, that hasn't stopped <laughs> just because of the COVID-19. Um, what would you say if some, to somebody who came to you and said, I think I'm dying or I, in fact, I do know I'm dying. I'd say enjoy your remaining time. Mm. Invest in it. There's no reason not to enjoy it. Uh, in some senses, the Titanic movie is not alone. There's an old Zen story uh, about, I, I can't remember it exactly, but this man is being chased by wild animals and he goes over a cliff and he's hanging onto a root and there are tigers below him. And these mice start gnawing at this root that he's hanging on to. Uh, and, and he's aware that any moment now, the root is going to snap and he's going to fall. The tigers are going to get him. And he sees this wild strawberry. And he picks it and eats it. And the last word of the story is how delicious it tasted. So, you know, that is there. And I think that's that's really important. I mean, it's an ancient story, but people can still live like that. I mean, apparently the fellas on the Titanic really did do that. So it's not just an old Zen tale. That is possible. I think quite ordinary people can be heroic mm. if, if they just enter the right mindset of saying, well, why not? Why stop playing just because the ship's going down? There are some people out there whose loved ones, perhaps family members, uh, are also sick, are also dying. What advice would you give to uh, somebody who came to you and said, my loved one is sick or my loved one is dying? How can I support them? How can I help them? Have some pleasant conversation with them. Mm. Share what you've always shared with them in terms of things you like. Have a sense of humor. Mm. You know, there's still something you could both laugh about. You know, I think that's important. Um, I remember once uh, I visited a woman who was 
in hospital and um, she was dying. And um, I took along uh, a Nankaru, a Tibetan mantra horn, to show her, not because she was Buddhist, but uh, I knew that she was very interested in crafts and this thing had a beautiful box chain on it. And I thought she might like to see it. So I, I showed it to her and she did indeed enjoy looking at it. But the reaction of other people in the room was, uh, they didn't say anything, but I could read them. They were saying, she's dying and you're showing her this object. As if you, you shouldn't be doing this. This is a serious situation. We should all sit here with um, miserable expressions on our faces. That's what, ex that's what is expected. But she picked it up and she said, how lovely, how snaky this chain is. You know? And she was clearly experiencing pleasure in seeing it, which is why I'd taken it. Because just because you're dying does not mean you can't appreciate a box chain. Mm. And you can't share a moment of gladness with the person who brought it to show you mm. that this is a pleasurable experience. And so that is always possible. So I think that people have to bear in mind that pleasure can be experienced by people who are dying. It doesn't have to be a dreadfully serious or, or miserable event. I hope people are cracking jokes when I'm dying. <laughs> I certainly don't want to be in a room full of miserable people. You know, I'd like to hear something really funny. You know? <laughs> I think there's a sense that you have to forget about yourself if you're with the person. Yes. You have to enter their space mm -hmm. rather than being in your own space. Uh, you have to put your own feelings on one side uh, and prioritise that person. Um, what's important to them at that moment? Being with them in that moment in whatever way they want to be. Yes. I mean, crying with them if they want to cry or laughing with them if they want to laugh. Yes, but I, it, I think it is their... It's their show, I guess. It is, and I wouldn't be making jokes for people uh, who didn't want to hear them. No, <laughs> I mean, I if, if, if that wasn't uh, what was appreciated, then you try something else. But people have to be inventive with it. Mm. And, and look for what's meaningful to the person. Because I suppose, you know, um, what's, what's fundamentally important to someone who's dying is that they are still of value. It doesn't matter that you've got 30 seconds left. You're not valueless. And so if you can show a person that they are valued, that's, that's really important. I think there is a certain um, thing going on in this situation where it gets, um, when countries enter this really awful period of um, this complete lockdown where their relatives um, actually end up dying with um, the staff who were caring for them whether rather than their own relatives, don't they? Because. I believe that people can be locked out of that situation. Mm. Um, I think that that obviously is um, ultimately a very difficult situation to be in. And, and yet 
these close relationships between carers, uh, the healthcare workers and the people, mm. can be forged very quickly. Um, and I think that is some comfort to people that those NHS workers are there to help and they're, um, they have that capacity to provide that wonderful care right up until the end, even if your family aren't with you. But it, you know, it is a very sad situation that. Mm. And that's what I think is perhaps unusual. Yes about this situation that we're in. Many people are reducing their social contact and perhaps finding themselves in isolation, either self-imposed or imposed by the government. What advice would you have for somebody who finds themselves in a period of extended seclusion? Well, some of our own students uh, in that situation are just using it as an opportunity for retreat and for uh, an intensified practice. I think that everyone, or say many people, have projects that they have in mind, mm. books they wanted to read, mm. uh, things they wanted to do, that they could invest in those things, mm. you know, things for which you don't usually have the time you'd like. Mm. to see it as an opportunity. I can mm. do those things now. I could sew those buttons on. You know, even if it's something fairly ordinary, it doesn't have to be some great artwork, but just, you know, looking after the things you have, polishing the brass mm. or doing whatever uh, to um, enhance your living space. Mm. It, could, it could even just be tidying the room, you know, putting things away. You know looking after mm. the place and realizing that you can improve your environment. Mm. Making something beautiful, gardening, uh, where you wouldn't normally have the time to do that. Um, and investing in your relationships with your family. Um, after all, we've got this time and good relationships take time. Um, We've got time to listen to each other now that perhaps people haven't normally got. Um, I guess children are at home. Um, normally teenagers would be out. They wouldn't be in that family situation. They'd be looking outwards for the, from the family. So um, in a way, we talked about that special time that we had with Robert before he died and he was 16 when he was diagnosed he would have been looking outwards and of course we had that special time with him because he he became very dependent on us as his carers and um you know teenage children we can share that time with them at the moment that we wouldn't normally have because they'd be out with their friends getting on with their own lives as is normal um so we can appreciate that thank you and before we wrap up this special episode of the podcast do you have any final comments to share with people on this topic? I think that all I can say is that if you look at history, you can get some perspective on what's happening. If you look back at the previous epidemics in the world, you can see that the world has always been like this. And it's important 
maybe to get some perspective and say, realize that you know this is the latest manifestation. It's different, but then every manifestation has been different in some way, and that this is not uh, any more of a terrible catastrophe than anything has ever been. The world wars, uh, the the Black Death. Um, I've got a a Black Death. Um, doctor's mask, actually, that I bought some years ago. Uh, I, I, I think I might uh, surprise them at the fruit and vegetable store with it this afternoon. <laughs> but, um, you know, to have perspective on it. This is the world, we live in the world, and it's subject to uh, these random events. They happen. Mm. This is just the latest so it's not um, it's not the end of the world and in and we mustn't forget the fact the fact that parts of the world are living in this sort of situation constantly it's just that most of the West is untouched by mm. it this happens to be something that's affecting the whole world really in a sense the greater numbers don't make any difference no. so long as there's some individuals suffering in this way then we have to recognize that it's going on constantly and it's no worse for the fact that we happen to be the ones who are now touched with it whereas we had this very comfortable illusory sense of safety which has been shattered in the last months. I think one big uh, misunderstanding that people have is that the greater the number, the greater the tragedy. This is not true. One person's suffering is one person's suffering. If you multiply it, it does not make it worse. Uh, so when things like this are not happening, we still need to have that sympathy for we can't simply have sympathy because thousands are affected. Mm. It's, it's bad if one person is affected. Yeah, I think that's something that's really important for people to understand that numbers do not make a difference in terms of tragedy. Kandradechen and Nakchan Rinpoche, thank you very much. Well, thank you. It's welcome. been nice to speak with you. Nice to speak uh, with you as always. Keep well. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Guru Viking Podcast. For more information and more episodes in this series, visit www.guruviking.com.